0: Ultimately, the fans are the ones that are going to be hurt from this, but the only benefit I can say is like United and Arsenal, for example, they will take a points deduction and massively not being in the Champions League and everything if it means our owners will leave. everyone's saying and you're listening to the beyond the gaffer podcast you're here with your boy kaj and your co-host finish and dylan before we go on to the rest of the episode please follow us on btg underscore pod on twitter and instagram now it's been a regular old week football nothing much has happened just the creation of a new uh, super league now this has shocked the whole world really in terms of how it's going to fundamentally change football and as our co-hosts we're going to Talk deeply about this, but yeah, no, Dylan. What, what what are your thoughts on this? And finish too, but I'll start off with you, Dylan.
1: Yeah, so I mean, Sunday night was probably the craziest night for football in decades. The creation of a European Super League by its twelve founding members, I think, rocked football to the core. So we're talking about the the big six English leagues, English clubs. Sorry, in Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Manchester United, Manchester City, and Liverpool signing up along with Barca, Real Madrid, Atletico and the three Spanish clubs in Inter Milan, AC and Juventus, with a promise of a further three clubs to to follow. So there'll be 15 founding clubs and another five spaces for annual qualifiers. Now, on Sunday night, all these clubs release a statement at the same time, to varying degrees of effect, about the creation of this European Super League. Now, this Super League is intended to essentially rival the Champions League format, UEFA's dominant Champions League format, Format, which has been, I guess, is going for its own changes, but has essentially dominated European football over the past like, 50, 60 years. So this new format by these clubs would see two groups of 10 clubs playing each, home and away. And from those 10 clubs, from those 20 clubs, sorry, you'll be split into the top two separate groups and then the top four of each group will go through and show you get the top eight clubs and then there'll be like a standard knockout tournament where you get a home and away match like you do in the current Champions League format until you get essentially the winner. But the most probably controversial aspect of this, the money aside, was the fact that none of these clubs would be relegated from the Super League. You couldn't be relegated from this league. Once you're in it, you're in it. There were reports of these clubs signing up to contracts of about 20 to 30 years for this competition and that the only new thing would be these five qualifier clubs coming through every year and there wasn't quite an idea of how that would come about a lot of these clubs on Sunday that we thought could be part of the European Super League like some of the top German clubs like Bayern Munich Leipzig some of the top French clubs like PSG all said they wouldn't join it so I guess throughout the week it got a lot harder to see where these clubs were coming from and as we know in the last 72 hours it's completely completely collapsed Um, so what a dramatic week of football hey I mean from all these owners coming out, taking a stand to create a new competition to rival UEFA's We've we've now, we're now back to square one where we just have essentially UEFA's new UCL format. I don't know, finish. What did you think as a member of a non six club? Like, I don't know. How did, how did you react to it from obviously from me and Kaja's perspective, both our clubs were part of this super league before obviously Newcastle weren't invited, but you know, how did you,
2: how did you find it? Well, I mean, obviously if Mike Ashley was offered 300 million pounds. he would, he would fight the chop to just go straight in that, wouldn't he? But for me, I think this is generally the first time I've ever seen such a massive backlash of, of these big clubs. And I think far too long these clubs have been allowed to do what they want essentially. Um and it was great to see fans like coming together from from all clubs, you know, big rivals, Man United, Liverpool, Everton, like all the all these clubs came together for one cause to f- to fight for football fans. And it it was really good to see Uh, how things unfolded eventually um, to now we're, we're back to square one, like you said. So obviously for me, what everyone loves is that, you know, the competitive side of the Premier League, that on any given match week, any given day, any team can beat anyone in the Premier League. And that's what makes the Premier League so special. And to hear that these teams would be, were essentially chosen purely on what right does arsenal have to play in this league what right does real madrid have to play in this league like there, there, there's no right for any club to to say that oh we deserve to be in this league over anyone else if, if essentially if you're stripping away that you're saying that oh the champions league doesn't matter our domestic leagues don't matter then these premier league titles or or these champions league titles then they're just made redundant aren't they so just purely on the commercial value that's what these clubs are saying that they're worth more than any other club and that's that's just not right, not right at all. That's what makes football great—the competitiveness, being able to beat anyone on any given day. It it was really sad to you know t- to see that these clubs thought they were better than everyone else. And for me, it was it was really good to see that this whole thing collapsed, and and these owners are now being pressured to to sell their clubs. Essentially, massive backlash for them, and finally, a spotlight has been put on how badly some of these these clubs are run. Essentially
0: yeah no i completely agree with that um there's a lot to really go through when it comes to how i felt i think it's a bit been a roller coaster of emotions really from sunday night to where we got into like wednesday and thursday right to even yesterday because i even attended the stand uh the protests to remove Stan kronke out of arsenal football club because he's not really fit for purpose in running the club um i definitely thought that this was uh, an attack on uh, fair competition uh, in in football and what football is about, uh, and removing the community aspects of football and the idea of local fans. And I think COVID definitely accelerated this because these owners looked at the possibility of what these clubs could do now that and have the importance of their local fans really compared to the global market, and they they really want to capitalize on that and try to really milk the cow. Or, or what's the term like? milk the gold uh, golden goose get uh something like that where they was <laughs> it's not it's not the great, best phrase that but it's the whole parable of trying to milk something until there's not nothing left and i just don't think they realized what the true value of football is in terms of uh, the the underdog beating the big the big teams and so on and so forth and when i i think there's so much to go through in this um european super league i think one thing we need to think about talk about is well one how we feel but also how we really came up uh, came to this situation right um what are your thoughts on this okay dylan and like what the big and how we really came came to this issue in football because i don't think football was ever in good health even before the european super league was created
1: yeah no i I think you can't talk about the european super league without talking about how we got here and why the timing is now and like Obviously, the word of the year has been COVID, and I think that's definitely exacerbated bringing this into s- sort of play. But let's not forget, like, Arsene Wenger called on something like this about 10 years ago. I think he said in about 2009 that talks of European Super League will happen if the English clubs can get on board. And so it's always been there, but I think COVID has definitely accelerated, essentially, this, especially expedited why this has happened now. I mean, look, some of these clubs have lost serious money. Like, take Tottenham, for example, right? They have just built a £1 billion stadium. Um, beautiful stadium, let's not get it wrong, but built on loans and, and it's built on debt, isn't it, um, from Levy. And they haven't got a naming sponsor for the stadium. They've lost so much commercial revenue. All these clubs have, like Barca, Madrid, Liverpool. Everyone's lost money, obviously, due to the COVID pandemic. Obviously, like no, no one's signing up to games because of, of the issue. And so... They have to think of new ways to get more money. And you've got JP Morgan coming over here saying, we'll give you like three, three and a half billion pounds. We'll finance the Super League. And if you're from a business perspective and you're an owner and you want to make money, I mean, it's not exactly a bad idea, is it? I mean, if someone's coming to you saying, like, you've lost all this money during this last year and someone's coming over to you and you're saying, look, we can guarantee you this money based on these loans. You know, all you have to do is sign this contract and you're like, you know, forget about the fans and everything for now because I guess that's what the owners... Did they didn't think about the fans or anything, but from a business perspective, they just saw right the money's there. Why don't we do it? More games. You're seeing the top clubs play each other what every single midweek, really, nearly throughout the season. Why not? And it's something that has been on the case in football for time money is is not going to go anywhere Like let's not talk let's not forget like before the before christmas we had project big picture we had the premier league trying to shape up the pyramid once again with rick parry from the efl you know trying to guarantee money for the lower league clubs and then all the power is going to be in the big six's hands anyway so i mean i think the european super league's always been there it even though it's sort of dissolved this week it's not going to go away but i think it's definitely important to look how we've got here it's all about the money um, it's greed, really, and, for the top class. Yeah, it, it is. Really is, and it's the owners, and the, and and I, and I and I and I understand like the want for money, because like, I guess look, like, everyone wants more money and stuff. But this was done in such a roundabout way, without consoling anyone, just to release a statement on Sunday night through rumors and stuff. Was just it's just awfully, awfully mismanaged. The,
0: this is awfully executed from them, right? And I think it just shows how out of touch those owners are, really, with what the spirit and the, the community aspect of football is, but. Do you think there are any winners in, the, winners in this in terms of like, when you look at Liverpool, not Liverpool, Everton, they they came out with a statement condemning condemning the big six in their participation of the European Super League. Do you not think it's super uh, hypocritical from them? And maybe even other clubs like, say, West Ham or Newcastle, I'll come here with you, Zanesh, because if they were invited into this European Super League, I, I would bet good money that Mike Ashley would, would run towards that, just fully run towards that and just accept it. Do you not think? Yeah, don't yeah, don't get me wrong. Like we know,
2: like some of these owners, obviously, if they were op- offered like such a lucrative deal, obviously that would be huge. That would be monumental for some of these clubs. But I think the key issue here is the competitive aspect of this tournament. The tournament just doesn't make sense. What everyone loves about the Champions League is that how often do you see AC Milan play? Bayern Munich for example or Arsenal play Real Madrid like these sort of games are so special that they mean so much more exactly and these games are so special that if if you're just playing these teams every week or every month like who wants to watch that like no one will want to watch that after a while like this is what I said like if this tournament happened people would get bored of it after a year like if, who who like who would want to see like Real Madrid just beating just beating teams every week or Barcelona beating everyone every week? Like there's just no competitive aspect, and I do, I just don't understand why the owners felt like they could just neglect the domestic leagues. Like they were saying that oh we would we would focus on playing these Super League games as like our primary focus, and then the m- domestic games we would rotate and and you know just play it as like a secondary competition.
0: I mean they wouldn't do that. I just think. It would lead to that i mean i it, they could have very well just been a replacement of the champions league and they could have been full strength for both the league and the european super league it's just it did the places given that there was no relegation for some of the founding members it put less impetus for those clubs to actually pay effort like such as arsenal like they didn't need to try and compete for first in the league And it but yeah c- carry on sorry yeah sorry
2: so yeah i mean I think it's also really important to say that obviously this is purely the owners like a lot of the I feel like a lot of the the players and the fans and the managers like have been getting a lot of backlash from these clubs and it's not their fault at all because I think especially the managers I feel like they've been made scapegoats of these owners the managers that are facing these press conferences I think like Jurgen Klopp he didn't have a clue what was going on. Like he'd only found out on a meeting like in the morning, like very briefly on the club. He had to he had to brief these players of what was going on and he had barely a clue himself. And you could tell in that interview, he wanted to say so much more, but he was held back because he knew at the end of the day he was an employee of this club. He knew potentially, you know, his job could have been on the line, and obviously, you know, if he was sacked or something off the back of it, there would have been a massive outrage from like the Liverpool fans. But these owners have just massively scapegoated both the players the heritage of the club, like these these owners, do not own the club. The club is owned by the fans purely, like, and they're merely, you know, just fueling off off the heritage and the history and the brand that that's been created over hundreds of years for for these massive clubs. So, I do genuinely feel for for the fans of the top six clubs and everyone involved, because really, the only people accountable here are the owners.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do want to bring it back to you, Dylan, in terms of how you feel as a Liverpool fan and. Uh, in terms of how it tarnished really your name because I definitely have a few words to think of that. But I do want to bring it back to like how we got to this situation, right? Because football was not in a good good place. And I think one of the big reasons we is come to this is because it's the increased amount of financial doping in the game, not just from Chelsea and the Man Cities, but the amount of money that's just come through from broadcasting rights and so on. It's taken the average fan away from being able to support their team and i think the introduction of sky for example in 1992 or around that period and putting games away from the uh from bbc itv and so on like the normal five channels it's it started this kind of like how to say an avalanche in terms of how much money is being put brought through into the game but also pricing out the average fan i don't know of your thoughts in terms of if how that would well, impact. No, I
1: think that that's what per, per, you know Florentino Perez was saying. He was I, I don't know where he was getting his figures from, but he was saying about like forty percent of the 16 to 24 year olds who watch football were sort of not interested in anymore. And I was thinking, okay, yeah, that's not I'm, I don't know where he's got his figures from or where that's come from. But if you think about DP, like when we were at school, right, we used to come in after school and talk about these matches on ITV, the Champions League matches, iconic, iconic Champions League matches, and obviously over the last 10 years they've moved to, from like, you know, Sky to Sky and BT. And so the average football fan, say if you cannot afford to any of these football packages, where are you going to get your football you're fix from? Illegal streaming and you're not going to exactly. want to do it. Exactly. Not, it's not, and it's not the same. So maybe he is right and it has a point. that Maybe maybe younger fans are moving away from football because they can't afford it. And obviously, you know, finance is a big part of that. And the money in the game has distorted it. So only essentially the wealthy channels can afford it. Like ITV aren't going to pay billions of pounds for a Champions League ties now anymore it's just not going to happen and i can't actually see him coming back onto terrestrial tv like bt have the rights to it now and i can't see them relinquishing it so in that sense i can see where Perez is coming from but he was also going on about like football needs to be changed with the 90 minutes and you know we need, we need to review all of that and i was just listening to this interview and he was just talking rubbish it was a, i mean it was
0: a lazy analysis that like teenagers just have shorter and shorter attention spans when when you deep it like loads of people watch long format content on netflix for example like hours exactly yeah. He
1: he was just chatting rubbish and I, and I don't know what he was on about but he, he did say look this is not going to go away and I don't think it is like I know we have talked about how he's got here and stuff and yes the football is in a very precarious financial position if we if we're looking from like the difference between the Premier League and Championship is crazy like even with the parachute payments given to these the relegated Premier League clubs it's, it dwarfs what Champions League Championship clubs will make. And which is why Project Big Picture came about and, you know, they wanted to redistribute the money fairly. But, I mean, the fact that we're talking on the Super League side, they talk about £10 billion in solidarity payments over the course of this initial contract. That is serious money. We're talking about €10 billion. Like, I mean, that is money that... The Premier League is, like, the richest league in the world. Like, the Liga contracts, the Serie A contracts don't get this kind of money. So I'm not surprised that they were the first to sign up.
0: Yeah, but the way I see it, right, the like you know when you look at the like the media pouring outside Earth uh, throughout the past week do you really think sky did this for the best like the betterment of the fans i mean that segment between gary neville and uh, jamie Carragher was put a stream live on youtube for free right and then after just on tuesday as soon as everything the european super league was collapsing so much of their content was geo locked in that you can't access it if you're in certain regions so then then they don't really care about the fans at all i mean uh, yeah finish your thoughts on this as well I mean, going back to the Florentino
2: Perez thing, like, it's so hypocritical to say that 16 to 24-year-olds are watching football if it's been commercialised too much when this whole European Super League is built on a massive TV deal that will pay clubs based on the, you know, the the fact that these clubs are massively, like, massive commercial brands, which they are, don't get me wrong. Like, the Premier League is, I wouldn't say nothing without these clubs, but the Premier League is, like, sorry, like, so... Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, these are massive footballing brands across the world. If you look at a club like Burnley, who knows Burnley really outside of the UK? I mean, you'll have fans globally, but they have nowhere near the global presence of some of these clubs. And that's obviously why it makes the Premier League so great, because it's it's a global sport and the Premier League has built a brand overseas because these big clubs have such a big presence overseas. But what makes the Premier League so great, like I said is that on any given day, these clubs can beat these teams. And then to say that, oh, okay, you know, we, we have to now group, the, group these clubs together, no one else compete, no one else can get involved in this, it, it, it is outrageous, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you are kind of under an illusion though, Thinish. I think the idea that there is comp- competitiveness in the Premier League Is a bit of a distortion because you don't see like yeah we saw Leicester City four years ago but that's the fact that it was such an anomaly just shows how the financial disparity and the financial doping within the leagues throughout Europe has kind of just distorted it so the big teams have just can win so much so like I think I was looking at a few stats right Uh, I think Mikhail Delaney was put it out there right the proportion of big games won by three or goals or more by the wealthiest clubs right for the English rich richest four Four, four, well, top four. It's increased from twelve point six percent to twenty one point three percent from nineteen ninety 1990 to nineteen ninety nine to twenty ten to twenty nineteen. Like you could, that's not surprising given the amount of resources that you see. Like with man under Man City, for example, they can spend forty million on Nathan Ake as a freaking bench player, and it's like, the, how do you play? How do teams like Newcastle, Burnley, and so on compete with that? That's the, do you not know think?
2: like don't get me wrong i'm under no illusion that newcastle will win the premier league anytime soon they'll be in the champions league anytime soon but what i love is is that even if newcastle beat all i want to see is them compete against these big teams i love these matches against the big teams because i know that you know if if there is the the odd occasion that we can beat one of these teams it's a mass it's a massive thing for these clubs like newcastle playing liverpool today newcastle haven't beat liverpool Anfield in 27 years if some if a result happens like that, that's huge for the club. Like that's all that that's all these clubs ask for that they have the opportunity to compete against these biggest clubs and you know one day maybe hope that they can make a name for themselves.
0: But that's a, that's still an illusion, right? Like an opportunity, yeah. One old one-off game, any anything can always happen like that, regardless of Super League or not. It's about actually making monumental change in terms of getting to the top four, competing for the biggest honors. That's where I think that's the biggest illusion of competition that I see in football now. And that's I I'm mean the sad is.
2: thing is is that like money has taken over and dictated that, like man city this was a team that you know was in League one at one point, and they weren't really competing anywhere in the Premier League until a rich owner came along, turned the club as completely don't get me wrong, he's done amazing things for both Manchester as a city and the club itself, like the infrastructure that they've implemented, and the things they've done for the local community has been incredible, but they're only in that position because because of money isn't it so yeah it, i know newcastle will really only progress is if 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 they get a brand new owner who can pump lots of money into the club and and it's sad that it has become that but at the same time i do think at this point that there should have an opportunity for for any of these clubs not just newcastle any of these clubs outside of uh, outside of the of the big six you know to have the opportunity to play in european football again
1: i i'm withnish here like i mean Yes, every club should have a dream. And I know that you're right, Kaj, like the Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, they've all been dominated by like certain clubs over the last decade, in definitely the last it's decade, even that. more it's so, the last 20 decades. Well. It is, it's true. Like, look at the, it Bundesliga. Is,
0: look true, at the but Bundesliga, look I at Syria.
1: Mean, like Juventus and Bayern Munich. It's, no, it's very true. I, I, I mean, like, look, yeah, you know, like Bayern Munich on for the what, the ninth straight title or whatever. But I think you have to look, if you look beyond that, could you not say changes are coming? Look, we're talking about Leicester being in the Champions League for the first time since they won the league West Hamas currently sitting in the European spot three years ago Burnley went to the Europa League Juventus are on the brink of potentially not qualifying for the Champions League next season they've got a real 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 games coming up which you could put them under pressure with Roma Napoli Lazio all behind them PSG you know what they're in a massive fight at the top of Liga for the league I mean four teams are separated by four points we're looking at clubs like Arsenal, Tottenham, Liverpool, Chelsea. All four of these clubs can miss out on Champions League football potentially next season. Yes, I know that over, I guess, a longer term pattern these things happen. But I mean, every now and again, I guess you get these. I wouldn't say freak seasons, but like because like Leicester have built this up over the course of a couple of seasons. But these clubs, and every club goes through these cycles. Every club will at some point get relegated. All all the big stick clubs have been relegated from the top division of English football at some point in their history. It happens. Chelsea were only relegated, I think, in 1988, which is not that long ago. So it does happen. I know that money has distorted football a lot, but every fan should be able to dream that their club one day will be taken over and be able to have this sort of rags-to-riches story. It, I think it's nice, and I think football football should not be like banned from rich owners as such.
0: I do, But I do think the romance of the rags to riches is play, overplayed too much because I just don't see it enough from like, maybe there's a few stories, I think it was Atalanta uh, from Syria that went to the Champions League season before and so on. But yeah, I just don't see it enough for it to be, be warranted. I mean, look, I I do want, I want to now bring this to like UEFA and FIFA's role in this, right? Because I do think football was broken for a long time and they're, they're the big contributors to why we have this European Super League, right? I think you could put a case in that this Champions League money that's so distorted and so big has kind of helped this big six accumulate all this wealth and just to stay, become this powerful for them to like ne- neglect the Premier League, for example. And it's the same with the other clubs in Real Madrid and Barcelona. But yeah, in other things as well, what do you think about them in terms of how they've kind of come out of this and also their impact on football and what they really stand for in general? I'm going to say that for me,
1: the worst thing that's come out of this is the fact that UEFA and FIFA in some people's eyes have come out looking like the good guy. Yeah. And for me, that is the worst thing about this. So let's be clear here, right? This new UCL format is not the one. FIFA, I mean, they cannot have any sort of moral high ground. For example, right, the 22-man committee that voted on the Qatar and the World Cup in Russia, right? I think about 15 or 16 of them have either been banned for corruption they've been indicted on criminal corruption they've been involved in an FBI case or they've been accused of some ethical ethical violation like migrant workers that, or free like slave labor Yeah I mean are. look Jack Warner and Chuck Blazer right Chuck Blazer right he was the massive a massive crook in all senses of the word he was a tax dodger he was taking bribes he was he was like the epitome of everything that is wrong with football, right? And these these are the people that eventually voted on the Qatar and Russia World Cup. This is FIFA, right? The pinnacle of football governing bodies. Even UEFA, right? We're talking about a, a new UCL competition, which we'll come on to later, that does not take into account anything for the players. We're adding like another hundred games to the schedule, all for money. And this is an organisation who gave um, the Slavia Prague player who was, you know, racist towards um, one of the Rangers players in Glen Camara, a 10-game ban. Kieran Trupia got a longer ban f- for his so-called betting fiasco. Like, I mean, do, does anyone expect UEFA to really be on a, more, such a moral high ground than FIFA? I mean, these, these organisations are not what football embodies in my opinion. I think they both have a, a lot, a lot of issues and they're and they're I think I think they're rotten from the from the top to the bottom and a major, major clean out is needed. Yeah, we got rid of Set Blatter a couple of years ago, but like Infant- Infantino wants to already and has pushed through this 48 team world cup that's coming in 2026. UEFA pushing through this new Swiss model for more games or more money coming in 2024. Next season we for the first time we're getting a third Europa Le- we're getting a third European competition, Europa Conference League. So the last thing I want is these guys to come up as good guys, which unfortunately it seems like a lot of fans have, have given up on that and now that their Super League is dead, they'll just sort of accept what FIFA and UEFA have to offer and I really, really don't want that to be
2: the case. They're very clever in like posing the you know let, let, let's let's expand these competitions let's let's make the UCL from 24 teams to 36 teams let's let's make the world Cup to 48 teams like it will always come across as oh we want to try and include more countries in the biggest competitions but end of the day it's always about money isn't it more games more money posted on these broadcasting deals like it like you said th- these guys are not the good guys can you believe that we're having the 2022 World Cup in Qatar a country that doesn't even in play winter. football in, in Winter. Winter. Oh, oh. This country doesn't even have footballing stadiums. They've built stadiums that they'll use once and they'll never play in again. The UK has the biggest and the best footballing infrastructure in the world. And when was the last time we hosted the World Cup? In 1966. It was unbelievable. I actually cannot believe that like this World Cup is actually still going ahead after everything that's going on. And that is just the epitome of why football is so broken at the moment and why these organisations think that they can still run and dictate everything that's going on in football at the moment.
0: I think that's a unique situation now as well now. Because like, even if fans protested against and we do it. Think about all the work that's gone through to building these stadiums, all those lives that I think might have been lost as well. Which just like FIFA should not become, FIFA and UEFA should not come out of this in a good light. And look like, for me, right? Think about the, think about how quickly they they acted as well. They 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 heard talks about European Super League on Sunday night, and so on and so forth. Think about how quick they were in terms of providing disciplinaries and so on. Oh, we should be doing this. We should be, we're going to introduce this new uh, Champions League. Um, rules if a player plays in the european super league they will be banned from playing for international tournaments hang on a minute i like where was this where was this when it comes to trying to kicking races about like all they ever did was just they put that logo let's kick it let's kick it out out of our game they've never really cared about it because ultimately it never cared about them their bottom line like think about like this i think there's a guy called the UEFA executive Alexei Sor- Sorokin said that the 10-match the, the ban for Andrea, Andrea Kudela, so the Slavia Prague guy, was correct and it was a waste of time to criticise the length of suspension. So like think about it like that. They're willing to give only 10 games for a player that was clearly try to kind of racist to towards Glenn Kamara, but they can then ban a player just for for life from an international tournament just for the European Super League and it was out of their control. I don't know. That's my thoughts on that. I mean, do, do you have any more thoughts? Because I just reiterated your points as well, right?
1: No, I mean, I, I, as, I think the pressure needs to be kept up on FIFA and UEFA. Like I, and I really hope that this, with this new UCL format, I think like the most controversial bit has been the fact that two clubs are going to qualify based on past domestic coefficient. And I, and I hope that section of it is dropped I mean personally I'd keep the Champions League format as it is.
0: I I, disagree I know with that. that's, that's not happening. I disagree with that. that that's that's not I still happening. think the Champions League becomes is becoming stale and it needs a bit of a revamp. I don't know if this I'm is always
1: league. down for a revamp. I, I would be happy with a revamp, but I know that what FIFA have sorry with what UEFA have offered is currently not the answer. And I, and the the thing about clubs qualifying and I'm talking from a Liverpool perspective, like if it ended now, Liverpool would be one of the biggest beneficiaries of of this new tournament in the ucl because we currently we we sit we sit outside the champions league places if it was implemented next year and we finished there we would benefit from it and and i'm talking from a fan that i do not want that to happen the the best thing about that we've talked about has been the football pyramid and the football integrity like foot sport you have to earn it and and to you have to earn your titles you have to earn the right to be in the champions league you can't just be giving places away willy-nilly just like that and I think that's what, for me, was the biggest downfall of the Super League: the fact that you couldn't get relegated from this competition, and the fact that, like, no, no offense to like Arsenal and stuff, but obviously they haven't been playing at the, the elite level in Europe for a number of years, and and Tottenham and United are not even are not even in the Champions League, and, and it all comes a tro- back to they've money. They haven't
0: won a major trophy since 1990, the, and that's the FA Cup.
1: Exactly. So we're talking, we're talking, and and UEFA was. And the Super League were coming out, sorry, the Super League were coming out saying this is like, you know, the tw- one of the some of the 12 best clubs in, in world football when four of these clubs haven't even won a European Cup.
0: I mean, come on. So that, that's the thing, right? Do you not think it's so sinister in how this European Super League got created? So like I listened to like a few podcasts this week. I think Tim Stillman brought a good point in that this has been in the works. This was, I know it collapsed in like two days, right? But this has been in the works for years and years and years. Like you said, like I think it was like in twenty ten that um, Wenger put out this quote. But I think a lot of these owners involved, like Raul Senielli, was part of the, I think part of the committee to for the European Super League. He was part of our, the Arsenal board. Ivan Gazidis and Milan, he worked for under us. I think it was a it was a it's a formation of a cartel, right and. I think they looked at football really as not just as a sport, but more of a con- as a content driver that you mentioned earlier. So, and it's like all these little things. Like I think I read on uh, the Athletic article. I think Jose Mourinho, even being employed by like Man United and and Spurs, was one of the big was a tactical decision. Like he got he got sacked straight away because it, it not uh, because he wasn't he wasn't a good manager for them, but he generated so much um, attraction towards them as a club. One in the one because he's always block uh, he's box office in terms of his press conferences, what he do, uh, does for generating attra- uh, impressions, clicks, all the marketing kind of Im- metri- metrics and so on, and. Yeah, I mean, I'm rambling on here, but it seems like it's just every everything's been geared towards this moment, and this was also the end game for so many of these clubs, like the Glazers and Cronkies, especially who I know were to the, who were like I think the vice chairman of the boards of the of this kind of Super League. So yeah, I don't know your thoughts, Finish before I go bring it to Dylan as well.
2: What what I want to ask now is that okay? So we've got to a position where we now know that these owners are purely in it for themselves. They don't obviously we knew we knew for a long time that they didn't really care about these clubs. They just wanted to line their own pockets, essentially. But as fans of Arsenal and Liverpool, where do you where do you want to go from here? Do you want to see do you want to see the owners go? Do you want to do you want to see some structural changes from the board level? What do you think needs to happen basically f- for the, for these clubs to to be turned around?
0: I was going to say that there's some definitely big winners and big losers of this. And I think FSG are one of the biggest losers out of this. I know, I think FSG and Arsenal are the biggest, and I mean the biggest losers out of all of this. Because with FSG, they, I'm going to let you talk about this, but I felt like at least from a neutral, like I thought they did a very, very good job in in bringing Liverpool back to the summit of uh, English football and European football, right? And I think the fans really uh, Liked how they uh, managed to manage this club, but this is br- this is kind of broken that relationship completely, right? And I just thought this is so unnecessary for them. At least with our us, we none of our fans actually uh, liked how Kroenke managed our club, but it was completely opposite for you. But yeah, I'm going to talk about Arsenal in a bit. But yeah, Dylan, your thoughts on that? I mean,
1: f- from a Liverpool perspective, I-, I think the fact that we've obviously won the Champions League and Premier League over the last. You know, a few seasons has, has papered over some cracks. Like, let's not forget when they 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 took over from other American owners in Gillette and Hicks, who who are awful, awful. They were owners, handed out, owners. weren't they? By the yeah, fans. they were handed out. They were awful, awful owners of the club. I mean, and we ended up we've ended up with more American owners. And like one of the I remember one of the first things they wanted to do was like raise ticket prices, and there was an absolute huge backlash against it. And I thought, oh my god! Like, I mean, the, you can't you can never underestimate the part like the power of fans like as a collective. And eventually, they sort of rescinded on it. And obviously, Klopp came in, and he sort of built this amazing Liverpool team over the last couple of seasons. And we've won the league in the Champions League. And now we're back to square one, where obviously they were part of the, this cartel to 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 join the European Super League. And personally, I don't think that they should be in charge anymore. Like, I, I mean... And is there any way back for them? That's what Carragher
0: said. I don't think there's any way back like,
1: uh, Is there any way back? Like, can, can you really repair... Like, I was thinking about this. Like, I was watching the talk sport debate the other day uh, between Parler and Robbie, and they were uh, sort of asking, is there anything that, you know, the owners can do to essentially bring the fans' trust back? I mean, I think, uh, firstly, as fans, we have to get over this notion of, like, people as fans they always call for the biggest signings right like whenever i'm on like liverpool's twitter or like, checking the comments or whatever there's always people asking like you know sign harlan sign mbappe you cannot have have that as well as lowering ticket prices and everything it just doesn't happen like they, the business has to make money and the money's going to come from somewhere to fund all these transfers so i don't think you can have it you can't, you can't have it both ways right you can't have this owner signing every the best players on the planet without them raising ticket prices or something in some form but I don't think there's anything the owners can do now that to come to essentially repair this relationship. Like the, the one thing I have to commend it Henry on, he did. He was, I think, he was one of the first owners to come out with a video apology of him explaining, you know, why it happened. But I think the line between the fans and the owners has gone. We're a club that prides ourselves of like you'll never walk alone and all that, and we left literally. We were literally walked away and left 14 other clubs in the league behind. And I think what they did was unforgivable. I don't think there's any way back for the owners. I, I don't want to see them like hounded at the club and things to, you know, protest at every match date. But I think they should be looking to sell. But I really don't think they will. Like, I mean, these, these owners, are, these American owners, I'm talking about like Kroenke here, the wood with the glazers, you know. They just don't understand this concept of sport and relegation and promotion. Everything in the end, everything in America is in sport is a closed shop. Like for me, I, I watch the NFL. You get the same teams every year, the 32, they will never change. They've been like that for for the last like, 18, 19 years and it will never change. They just don't understand this process of relegation and everything and then you can't be in the top competitions all the time because you have to earn it. But I would love to see them walk away. I think the relationship with uh, with the fans is not there anymore. And I'm sure it's similar with you, Casual, right? With Cronky. Like, look at the protests yesterday. I know you went.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I put the story up on... Um On my btg underscore pod so yeah follow that follow our socials yeah to see it but um no i completely agree with your sentiment but i think yeah it's so much worse for arsenal i think fsg are the biggest losers not liverpool but fsg because they had a good relationship relatively i mean it was always i don't know but they at least liverpool are doing well we understand kronke arsenal have deteriorated massively because before he came into the club arsenal challenging the biggest trophies in world football they went they were winning they came they were challenging for the premier league title they went to the champions league final and uh, even like in the 07 or 8 we did really well in terms of going i think we finished like 83 points that even with a really young squad and there was a lot of potential that we had with a with a new stadium and so on but under under him like especially in the last decade we have deteriorated from being just being a participant in the champions league to not even do it being there Lose barely be, uh, making it to the top six. We're, we're mid table, we're comfortably mid table, and we're not, we don't look like we're even trying to improve. And I don't think the biggest, I, I know it's a big six argument, but when it comes to Stan Kroenke, for example, like he had the argument for me isn't even investment, it's the lack of actual oversight into this club and actual direction. Because under every metric, he has massively been incompetent. In terms of hiring the one in being an active um, owner, in terms of taking us taking us forward, hiring the correct people, because or even being active in terms of when we are deteriorating, trying to make the correct change, because it was so clear with Underwenger that we should have left, we should have fired him as well for a few seasons ago, but we let him deteriorate, and he he was a front for him he. The thing is, Wenger was the best thing that could have ever happened to him because he was the he was the closest thing to a guarantee to top four because he could he could milk all this money. Once he left, you could see you could see what how Arsenal would become. They they fell apart, and I know it's an Arsenal rant here, but I think we're one of the biggest losers for this because we're commercial commercially in terms of commercial revenue, right? We're lagging behind the big six massively. This was our last chance, I think, to be in the go into a European Super League because they wanted to do it. This is going to come back again and we could be like the Everton now if we carry on in the, under this stewardship. We'd be looking from the outside in and there'll be another club, maybe Leicester a city could take our place and then we would complain about that because we are just not going in the right direction. And the fact that they tarnish the brands, uh, brand, like think about it like this. Why would you want to play for Arsenal Football Club? Think about last year, you had to take a pay cut just because of the pandemic. Then you saw 55 redundancies occur in, in Arsenal football club, like their mascot that was loved by everyone become redundant as well. And then Meza Ozil was getting hung out to dry. Uh, That's a whole other argument. And then on top of that, you did all this to help uh, everyone else. And then your owner tried to take, take your money and try to go for a cash grab uh, for 400 million a year. In this European Super League, no, no, I'm not having it. Like he should go, and a lot of fans wanted to go because I saw from the protest they were not happy, and that I mean I could rant even more for that, but there's a we're having an Arsenal pod soon, and it's and we'll we'll talk about this, but yeah, no, I'm I think Stan crockett is the end of the road for him. He he can no no one's going to trust him ever again no one i don't think so i'm going to i'm going to move it away
1: now from yeah. the european european super league and then I, i'm going to give it to you finish as a you yeah. know non big 6 fan like what do you think the punishment should be for these clubs should it be for the clubs the owners i guess what, what do you think what do you think would be appropriate as you know obviously a newcastle fan looking in what do you think should be and would would be the right thing to do
2: mm-hmm. it's a, i feel like Essentially, after this has all collapsed, like the clubs have just come back in and there's almost a feel that, you know, nothing's really happened and we'll just continue as normal and everyone just forget about it. No, we're not going to forget about this. When, when I saw like this, this European Super League might happen, I was genuinely like, if you want to go, go, like we'll carry on competing and we'll carry on, you know, playing in the Champions League if that's still going on. And I was genuinely ready just to see these clubs go. So for me, I think there has to be a level of accountability and a serious level of accountability. I think maybe the after I thought about it, maybe the clubs themselves shouldn't be punished as such because this was really on the owners. The clubs didn't decide this; this was purely on the owners. I'm going to touch on that.
1: but why? Why do you think? I know it was the owners, but do you think like look at all these clubs that have lost points over the last couple of years, like Luton Palace, they've all gone to administration and they've been docked thirty. 30 points maximum i mean like it, it uh, they weren't the is fans for it, the fans got punished money, right you can't dock them, exactly It's money it? should, should should the clubs i'm just intrigued to know why you think that why shouldn't the so clubs I, be I
2: would say the primary the primary punishment should be a very very serious fine for these owners because purely this was a commercial incentive for them and they should learn the value of money and, you know, taking money away from them will will go in, you know, it it won't hurt maybe some of like the Man Cities, etc. But it will hurt them, don't get me wrong. A points deduction would be good because I think again it would show the true value of we competing in a champions. Really in a in a champions league. Well yeah, do you know what I mean? Like a lot of these clubs would not qualify for Champions League if a ten point deduction was given to Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, like so I think again that w- that would reiterate the value of uh, you know of competing in in the highest level and qualifying for these competitions. But I, after I thought about it, like I do feel like everyone else has been scapegoated, and this is really only on the f- the owners of these clubs who are accountable. So I I genuinely think that the primary punishment should be a fine and a very big fine, and if a point deduction is given, then so be it. But again I, I don't think these clubs should be should be punished necessarily on on their you know what they've done this season just purely on what's happened and what these owners have agreed behind the scenes.
1: Cad, what are your thoughts do you, you think Arsenal should get a point
0: deduction or you know no, it doesn't really matter what my opinion because I will want to try and defend our club but truthfully we kind of have to face whatever ha- happens right like it doesn't matter like what the Premier League think if, if you think it's unjust or unfair we did this Ultimately, the fans are the ones that's gonna lose, they're gonna be hurt from this, but the only benefit I can say is like, if like United and Arsenal, for example, they will take a points deduction massively if it means our owners will leave, genuinely. We can talk about the punishments, but it's really about the solution to really fix this problem. And we come back to this, an independent regulator, stress testing a lot of these owners into whether they are managing right. Like, it's not just us. It's not just the big six, by the way. Even Newcastle, for example, they've not been managed right. If we had an actual independent re- regulator, we could have we could have assessed those situations. Like, Newcastle were uh, finishing in Europe for most of the uh, few seasons before Mike Ashley came. They've been on track with... They've had two relegations in, in 10 years since then. Like, no. Newcastle aside, we're just going to have to face the punishment that's uh, come through, and we just need to focus on solutions to fix this. I'm with you, Kaj. I think whatever happens, like,
1: we've got to... We have to, as a Liverpool fan, we've got to suck up whatever punishment comes our way. And if there's a points deduction, it's going to be a points deduction. I mean, we shouldn't get off lightly at all here. Like, no way. All these clubs, all six of these clubs, I think as long as it's, f- like, not fair, but as long as they all get the same treatment, because they all joined it, all six of these clubs need to face some form I, of sanction I, I, to I, stop I w- it up I in will the end. say
0: this, I, I feel like the American owners are the ones that definitely need the severe... I guess should... See the oh, yeah, I mean,
1: and- I think they definitely orchestrated it, but I think the fact that they all joined, they should all be punished. And uh, what, look, whatever happens, we got to accept that. And if it's a points deduction and we all start on minus 10, 15 next season, look, got to go from there. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy
2: with that. I guess, we do, I guess we look at where do we go from here? Because like, we know that, the bundesliga and a lot of the german clubs uh, are run on a model where the fans essentially own own the, the majority shareholding of these clubs and is that maybe where we where we go to in the future where that you know the power is tried to give to the fans and the fans
0: primarily own these clubs is it majority, just, how do we distribute is it always oh, only yeah, I, I, I two I percent like they but they have a still key stake in the big decisions. So you're not
1: allowed more than forty nine percent of foreign investment. Apart yeah. from Leverkusen and Wolfsburg, I think have like special exemption.
2: Uh, okay, but w- why these? Why these German clubs didn't get involved? Because they knew the the fans actually have an influence in these clubs, and they can actually dictate what what goes on and the direction of these football clubs. And if, if anything like such like that happened, that that would just not be acceptable. So maybe we do need to move to a model where the fans just have more influence, where they're able to invest in these clubs and and have a stake and, you know, actually have a seat at the table where they can decide where things go rather than looking at these owners to, you know, make these massive decisions that no one really wants. It's just really, again, like I said, how do we distribute the wealth and how how do we go about structuring it so that fans have more of a say? I don't know. What do you guys think?
0: I mean, this... This week has shown the, really the power of what the fans can actually do. Their voice can be heard, and they have a lot more cha- They can impact a lot more change than what they actually realised. So I think it will be interesting to see how this will affect not just how the club will be run, how the Champions League will be run. The U- the new cha- like we talk about the new Champions League format is not something that I think we're a fan of. Um, the FIFA Qatar World Cup. So I think it's more about. I think the big thing to come out of this is to see how fans will actively be involved in football and shaping it so it can be back, come back to its grassroots and to it becoming more of a community even in this globalised kind of world. I mean, yeah, Dylan, what are your thoughts on that, really?
1: I mean, I would love the 50 plus one, you know, thing to come in but i think they'll have to come from like government the premier league by the changes rules and can i see that happening not 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 particularly i'm not overly confident i don't think i don't think it's gonna happen i think i think jeremy corbyn was actually trying to be do part of it as part yeah. of his manifesto trying to bring in bring in more ownership with the for the fans and football and it, i and i can't i honestly under this government and under the premier league currently i cannot see happening um so i think i think it's a non-starter
0: i also want to bring this right you know how we've talked about uefa and um Becoming seen as the big winners, they should. I mean, they shouldn't be. It's the same with this government. They all these ideas they Corbyn brought through. I know I don't want to make it political, but they. The amount of times that their footballers have done their job for them, and they only came here just to help them out. They could. Have, they don't apply the same energy for a number of issues that could help the uh people in the UK, whether it could be food banks, equality for women's rights, racism and so on and so forth. But yeah, that's just something I wanted to mention as well. But yeah, um Dylan, I sorry I interrupted no, you.
1: No, no, I just wanna look I just want to end the same. like can you really see owners going to give away 51% of their club? Really? Are, are they gonna do that? They've bought these clubs for like billions. Like are they gonna give away 51%? Personally I just can't see it happening. I think that, that ship has sailed and I can't see it happening currently. Maybe in the future, yeah, it'll be great if it does happen. And like you can see, the connection German clubs have to their fans, and vice versa. Like they they work in tandem right well, here. It's just
2: all one way traffic. I mean, it doesn't have to be fifty one percent. Like what like the Newcastle supporters trust have done. I think that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Even a one percent stake in the club. They have an influence. They have some sort of say, and if we can slowly, if, you know, maybe we can get more clubs involved in a similar model. We can move in the right direction where the fans, you know, they they can their voice can be heard, and not after you know these sort of decisions have been made, and you know we're we're going back on these sort of things. These things can be ironed out beforehand, and the fans essentially they they deserve they deserve what they want. Like at the end of the day, football is for the fans, and all I can say is I'm really happy that. The big six clubs are back because I enjoy watching them every week. I enjoy competing against them every week, and I love to see Arsenal failing. So that, that's yeah. always a good thing. So, Look,
1: we need each other. Yeah. The big six need the Premier League, and the Premier League need the big six. It doesn't work without it. Both they need each other.
0: Yeah, no, I feel like a lot of these owners for the for the European Super League didn't understand the importance of scarcity, really, and like, it's basic economics. If you in, if you increase the supply of something, the value of it diminishes. Yeah, no, I think we've spoken so much on this. Like, what are your? F- Let's just close off. What's your final thoughts on really this week? And I guess final thoughts are also on your club, their involvement in the Super League and how where, where to go from there. So
1: from a football perspective, it's actually been a really exciting week. Like I, to see fans get rallied up on one collective issue from like literally all fans to get behind it. It was actually something really, really nice to see. Like And the fact that fans of the big six clubs as well got behind it was brilliant. The protests at Chelsea, the protests at Arsenal yesterday was good. It was actually very, really good to see. About the Super League in general, don't think it's gone away. It hasn't, I'm telling you now. I wouldn't be surprised in the next like 10 years or even probably sooner. A, a new revamp structure's come out. Look, Perez has already come out and said these clubs have signed the contract. Nothing's changed. We're just going to have to rework I, it a bit I, better. I, I'm loving
0: the Thanos vibe with it. I, I can't lie. On a neutral, I love Chaos. I do love the idea of just like this big <laughs> villain that is like ending. This guy, the Avengers, I swear, this guy's everyone so coming out of touch. through. Avengers, everyone coming through just to defeat this big villain, is it? Yeah.
1: This guy, even Agnelli as well, that guy, I I could do a whole episode in this, Andrea Agnelli here, right? I mean, but, oh God, this guy was this guy was in charge of the ECA representing like 200 clubs and then he resigned as president to take over the Super League. Oh, this guy, I have I, the words to describe this, this Italian mafia guy, uh, it's just, it's something else. But yes, the ESL hasn't gone away, it'll come back in a new format, I'm not surprised. The COVID thing is definitely the reason why it's come about in my opinion and, you know, if clubs continue to hemorrhage money like this, there'll be an issue I think for a separate pod we definitely have to talk about this new UCL format it's definitely not the one either increasing another hundred games for these players without getting consulted more fixtures more money UEFA and FIFA aren't the good guys and I guess to wrap up on like a Liverpool's perspective I mean it's not been a great week for the owners let's be honest I mean I'm, I'll am be I think there will be pounded out of the club or at least there'll be pressure on them I don't think they will sell up I can't see and the money they've made on Liverpool is enormous. I think they probably must have made like five or six times their investment. And I think they'll just to continue to grow as we as a club grow. Um, but there, there will be pressure on them to sell. But I, I wouldn't be surprised when the fans come back if there are protests. Like, what do you guys see? Do you think, do you, yeah, finish, what do you think? I'll wrap up the So, Do you think Do you think it's done?
2: The worst idea in football history, I think, straight up. But that, th- th- I think simple as it, you know, as... As someone who is a fan of of a club that's not part of this big six, it, it was really refreshing to see that the power can be taken away from these big clubs. I think in future meetings, maybe these these directors who are attending just won't be taken as seriously as they would have, and they won't have the influence that they would have had previously, which is always good to see. I think this has also shown a uh, you know a, a big light on the Premier League that they've allowed these owners to come in and take over and you know manage the power of these clubs and. All of a sudden, these clubs have said, "Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get up and leave." I thought that was that was that was a uh, that was really interesting to see that they've been stabbed in the back as well. So the Premier League, there there definitely has to be something something changed there as well. They're, they've been massively influenced by these big six, you know, these owners and the wealth that they've brought and. There needs to be some sort of power, sort of structure there. So it's refreshing to see that, you know, the fans ultimately do have the power in the end. Money cannot dictate everything. And we'll see where we go from here. But I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy we've got some normality restored.
0: Yeah, no. Um, when I look at this, it's been a painful exercise for I think a lot of people involved. I'm happy that a lot of these big clubs have who try to break away basically have an egg on their face, I think... They didn't. Re- I don't think they understand what the sport was about, and they tried to take it away from them. And it definitely diminishes the attempt for a super league happening in the future. But I don't agree with Dylan. It's not the end. The way to go from here, I think there needs to be a reality check, and so many things need to be evaluated in football because it's not like this isn't. This doesn't mean football's fixed now. There's so many issues: racism, the, uh, the Qatar World Cup in terms of the coru- in terms of corruption, even also in terms of how we can. Im- it, like we talked about improving football in terms of its global audience, the biggest uh, area we can improve and in, in the women's football, in, in investing into that game, so more and more people can look watch that that things like that. Um, yeah, I think there a lot needs to be done there. Now, if we want to bring it to Arsenal, I'm gonna try and keep it short as possible. But I think it has to just come down to Cronkey out really. I don't think we we are. I'm gonna swear here. We are fucked from this. Genuinely, because we 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 are already sliding down the table. We're already diminishing in our commercial revenue. We're already we've tarnished our brand to like no repair. It's going to take a long long time to repair that trust, not just with the fans, with the other teams, and with players and so on. And I think that there's no way back for Kroenke, and I do do hope he can sell. But even then, will we get a better owner? I don't know. And that's when independent regulator needs to come through to make sure that. The right right stress tests are are made, so fans aren't going to be the one left behind in all of this. So yeah, no, I I don't think that was short finish, but um, yeah, that's my thoughts on the Super League, and I think that would probably close off into the end of the episode, right? So yeah yeah that that was a really good uh,
2: that was a really good discussion I enjoyed that so as always make sure you're following us on BTG underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram leave us a follow on Spotify and leave us a review on on Apple as well if you're over there and as always we'll see you next week